the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Seek his face continually, ongoing, daily. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 34. I entitled this message, Shining in the Darkness. You know, we've all seen things that shine in the dark. You know, like the little necklaces you can buy at amusement parks at night. You know, they light up fluorescent colors. We put them around our necks and what have you. Or maybe you buy a new LED flashlight. And some of those new flashlights, oh my goodness, they can light up an entire area. Yet as soon as the batteries start wearing down, the light goes down as well. But as long as you have a good power source, the light will shine in the darkness. Well, that ends up being a great analogy for our study here this morning. For we as Christians are living in the last days, and we are living in very dark times, as you know. Everything is turned upside down, it seems like, here in this world that we live in. That's why we must embrace what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, where he said, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they can tangibly see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yes, it is critically important for us to shine our light in this dark world that we live in. But we must all understand it's not our light that we're shining. We're shining him inside of us. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So when Jesus comes to live inside of us, he's the light of life, and we allow him to radiate through us to the world. Jesus is that light. We as Christians are just radiating his image. We are radiating his glory, radiating his attributes. Yet, if we're not shining his light like we should, or we find our light starting to fade, you could say, then we must simply spend more time in the power source, which is Jesus himself. He is the light. That's why we can be recharged and once again shine in this dark world, even if we started to fade. Yes, the closer we are to the Lord, the brighter we will shine. I wonder if there's anyone here today that night might be losing a little of the luster of your light. Maybe your light has become dull. Maybe your light is, well, burned out. 
Maybe you're surrounded with difficult circumstances here and they're getting the best of you. Or maybe you've been succumbing to the temptations that are around you and they're taking a toll on you as your desires for spiritual things is starting to suffer. It's not that you're totally losing it or lost it completely, but it's also obvious that your desire to shine brightly in this world is no longer at the top of your priority list. And when I talk to someone who's struggling as a Christian in their faith, you know, the first thing I ask them is, well, tell me about your devotional life with the Lord. Tell me about your reading. Tell me about your praying. Because if that is suffering, the rest of our spiritual life will suffer along with it. As you know, Jesus doesn't stand over us with a club, ready to beat us into submission, ready to beat us into a closer relationship with him. Jesus will never, ever demand us to serve him. He will not demand that we shine his light. He will not demand us to go love on people. If we don't want to, we just simply don't do it. For he desires us, though, to follow him with a whole heart and a willing mind. He desires us to worship him freely. He desires us to serve him without having to but wanting to. Because that's what he wants us to do, not because we have to. That's a huge difference between wanting to and having to, you know, from with the religious organizations that we see around us today, because many of them will guilt trip people into forced service. You better get on that bike. You better go tell people about Jesus. You better go knock on those doors. Better have your badge on. Romans 8, 1 says that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God wants us to freely come to him. He wants us to freely serve him. You know, that word condemnation means that there will be no judgment against us, no penalty, and no sentence inflicted on us. And why is that? Well, it's not because we don't deserve it, obviously, for, you know, we're all guilty of many things that are deserving of God's judgment. But as a true Christian, the Bible says in Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified, that word justified means God made us as if we have never sinned. Now, we know that that's not true. We have sinned. But God makes us just as if we've never sinned. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because God made us as if we've never sinned, we now can have peace with God. And the peace with God is a quietness of rest within our soul between us and the living God. And that's a pretty sweet thing to have. Yes, it's because of that that we have this great privilege. Because God's justified us, it is a privilege to serve God. It is a privilege to shine his light within the darkness that surrounds us all. Yet maybe you find yourself really struggling in the want to department. Like, I don't know if I want to shine the light of Jesus around. And it's resulted in the light being shut off in your life. Well, today's study will hopefully encourage all of us to allow the Holy Spirit to work and to shine through us in spite of us. 
as we continue in this study in the book of Exodus. I remember, and if you remember from last time, Moses was not willing to lead God's people into the promised land if God wasn't going to go with them. For the people had sinned greatly. They had built an altar and worshipped a false idol. They rebelled against God and threw a drunken, sexually charged party. At first, God was just going to bring fire down from heaven and roast them all. But Moses, as you know, he intervened for the people. Then God wasn't going to go with him. He says, okay, fine, I won't roast you, but I'll send an angel before you, but I'm not going. But that's when, you know, God was putting Moses into a weird position to see where Moses' heart really was. And, of course, Moses passed with flying colors as he displayed to God the compassion of God towards the people. As he stood in the gap for these people, Moses was a type of Christ and the people were a type of us. You might say, well, how does that work? What do you mean? Well, the people continue to doubt God. Do we not doubt God at times? They continue to fail. Do not we fail at times? They continue to follow after their own lustful passions. Do you ever just fall back into something that you shouldn't be doing? They continue to doubt the promises of God. Do you ever just doubt God's word? Well, it's not going to work for me. It's never worked for me in the past. They were just like you and me. At times, as we move so often, only by our own feelings and emotions, instead of by what God has spoken in his word, by what God has promised to us in his word. Yes, Moses was a type of Christ as he stood in the gap for the people in Exodus 32, 32. Remember what he said to God? But now, Lord, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, and then there's a pause in the Hebrew there. And if not, uh, 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 then blot my name out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses was saying, you know what, God? I know these people are dirty dogs. I know that they've sinned against you greatly. But God, would you save these people? Have mercy on them. In fact, if you can't find it in your life to forgive them and you have to lash out in judgment, take the judgment out on me. Take my life for theirs. Wow. Well, God wasn't going to take Moses up on that. But you know the Lord had to step back and say, you know, Mo, that's a pretty good call on your side. Could you imagine asking God to take your life instead of a friend? Or how about this? Take my life instead of this heathen dog sinner on the street outside. Take my life instead of his. Wow. Then we saw in Exodus chapter 33 that Moses pled with God to not forsake them, but to still walk with them. Yes, as we will see, this was God's intention all along. Yet God desires for us also to have compassion on people around us. God would have us, like Moses did, to shine his light on those in our own culture, to those who have sinned, to those who follow after their own lust, to those who have abandoned God. God would have us to reach out to them. Well, today, we will consider four points in light of our title, Shining in the Darkness. Number one, slow to anger. Man, aren't you thankful that God is slow to anger? I mean, I know that I have, must have made God angry so many times in my life. I'm so glad he didn't strike out at me in his anger. 
God is slow to anger. Number two, we're going to look at avoiding snares. There are snares in life with relationships with other people that hold us back from fully following God. God wants us to avoid those snares. Number three, we're going to look at observing different feasts. There's three main feasts in the Jewish calendar. They're talked about here in this chapter. We'll go through those quickly. And number four, shining his glory. God wants us to shine the glow of his glory wherever we go. Well, God told Moses at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 34, the first few verses, he says, go cut some more stone tablets, and I want you alone to come up to the mountain of God again. Remember, he was up there for 40 days, and he came down, found this whole party atmosphere. He threw the Ten Commandments, the two stone tablets that God gave him on the ground, and they broke into pieces. So now he says, bring up some blank stones with you, come by yourself to the mountain with me. So with that said, let's pick up right after those first few verses in chapter 34. We'll start with verse 5. And it says, And the Lord descended in the cloud, and he stood there with Moses as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him, Moses that is, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty punished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and worship the Lord. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. Well, as usual for Moses, he did exactly what the Lord commanded him to do. Those first four verses says, go get new stone tablets and get up here all by yourself. And Moses just simply did what God asked him to do. You know, it sounds so easy, but it's what sets apart those who do what God says to do and those who don't. I wonder why so many struggle with just simple obedience to the Lord. I mean, first Moses was to cut the two new tablets of stone. This, of course, replaced the Ten Commandments that Moses chucked when he saw the whole party going on and they broke into pieces at the party of the golden calf rave, you could say. Yes, we too simply do as Moses did. You know, we're just called to obey what God commands us to do. Now, God had told Moses to come up in the morning. And he was to come alone. Let's let's not miss the obvious couple points there that should just jump off the page to us. We should all come to the Lord and we should all come in the morning and we need to come alone. For we all need this private time, alone time with God. Now, you know, some people work the night shift and whatever, so you gotta find the time that works for you. But I think for most people, It's like the morning is the best time to do it. Before the day gets going, before we start texting and tweeting, before we check our emails and social media and what's happening in the world on the news front, before we get caught up in the busyness of the day, you know what you call it? You call it quiet time. It's quiet time with the Lord. Devotional time. Do you have that? 
It's taking time to read your Bible. It's taking time to pray. And it's taking time to just sit there and listen if the Lord wants to speak to your heart. If God wanted to speak to you, is there a time that you set aside for him to actually say something? You say, well, God never speaks to me. Well, do you give him any time? Jesus said, we're to come unto him for rest. Jesus said, we're to come unto him and cast all of our cares upon him. When do you take time to do that? On a daily basis. We're not to be anxious. We're not to be worried for anything. We're to take time and come to him. The Bible says in Psalm 105 verse 3, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually, ongoing, daily. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a very common verse. If you're a Christian, you know this verse. If you're a brand new Christian, maybe you don't know it so much, but if you've been in the Lord for any amount of time, you know this verse. It's a great verse. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. People like that. They love that verse. It's a great verse. It's a great promise. But what about what comes after that is even better. It goes on to say in verse 12, then you will call upon me and you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. Wow. God will listen to us. I mean, if you want to talk to the president, hey, Mr. President, I'm not digging $7 gallon gas. Okay. He's not listening. He's not listening to anybody. You know, he's not listening to all the problems that we have right now, okay? But you can go to the creator of the universe, and he'll listen to you. God will listen to little old you. He will listen to you. And then he goes on to say, he says, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your hearts. Wow, this is the promise to the believer today. Are you taking advantage of this promise? Are you taking time? That's an incredible promise. Yes, when we search for the Lord, we will find him. It's the difference of having a religious relationship with God and having a personal relationship with God. Listen, way before man came up with all the different denominations. Oh, I'm a Episcopalian. I'm a, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Catholic. And all these little names that we hide behind. God spoke to the Jews. He created the Jewish nation. And Jesus, the God-man, came through and was born through the Jewish nation. But what did the Jews do who had this in-line relationship with God? What did the Jews do? The Jews turned the Jewish religion into a dead and boring set of rituals. Dead and boring. But see, this is so weird because God is not dead and he's not boring. But why did they turn it into that? And most of your denominations today are dead and boring. Yet Jesus said he came to bring life to those who are dead He came in to make it personal and inviting to have a relationship with God. Think about that. Jesus said that we could call God our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, our Papa in heaven. Listen, if you have a horrible relationship with your earthly dad, it's hard for you to fully pull this in and grasp onto it. Like, 
what does that even mean? Because maybe your dad was brutal and he was mean and he was harsh on you. Or maybe you never knew him at all. And so it's hard for you to put two and two together there. But Jesus is nothing like your earthly father. And it's like we can come to him and he's compassionate and he's loving. He's forgiving. He's encouraging to you and to me. And that's the relationship. This is why we need to approach God on a daily basis. He opens the door to us. He welcomes us to come in. He wants us to speak to him and he says he'll listen to us. What more could he tell us to do for us to come to him? And the morning is a great time to do it as we come alone to him just ourselves and build this relationship god is saying come invest time with me let us become best friends well moses stood before the lord and the lord passed by in front of him it said in verse six proclaiming as god went by him the lord is a god of compassion and he's gracious he's slow to anger and i'm abounding in loving kindness and truth consider Those attributes of God. He's compassionate and gracious. What does that even mean? It means God has sympathy towards us. He has concern about you and me. He's sensitive to our emotional needs. He's understanding towards us. And because of that, he is slow to anger on us. And thank God for that again, for we are usually the polar opposite of that, are we not? Someone slanders us or stabs us in the back. We want to strike back at them. We want to hurt them. You know, we want to hurt them back if they hurt us. We don't want to just get angry. We want to get even. But he didn't. He held back. But with an everlasting loving kindness, he says, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. He's our Redeemer. He bought us back. How much does God love you? Let me think here. He came to the earth. He left his palace in heaven. He came and put on the skin of a man. He walked among us. He stubbed his toe and it hurt. Okay, and what did he do? He allowed wicked men to spit in his face, pull the beard out of his face, whip him and beat him like a dog, nail him to the cross. And any time he could have said, you know, I'm kind of done with this. I'm God and you're nothing. He could have just wiped everyone out, but he didn't. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, he bore your sin and my sin upon his body. On the cross, he opened not his mouth. And he just like, and he took all of it on. So that he could now look at us through his blood. Now he sees us completely cleansed. That word that we looked at earlier, justified. And he says, that's what I did for you so that I can have audience with you. Because you and your sinful state can't stand before me a a perfect God. So I bore your sin on my body. Now you can come into my throne room and I can embrace you because I've forgiven you. Wow. Yes, the Lord's loving kindness is abounding towards us but then he said in verse 7 that he will not let the guilty go unpunished he's talking about those who do not repent of their sin but then he goes on to say the sin of the fathers will be passed down on their children and grandchildren whoa wait a minute what does that mean that doesn't sound good does that mean that if my dad or grandfather was a dirty dog does that mean that i'm toast because of their sin Does it mean that I'm going to have to pay for something that they did in the rebellion in their lives? Absolutely not. If that was true, it'd be curtains for all of us. But what it does mean is this. 
If you're raised in a family and a family and your grandfather had sins and your dad had sins and you're doing the same thing without repenting, then the children many times will just continue to walk in the sins of their father. And you'll end up repeating the same mistakes and lifestyles that they did. But this is important. This is why it's so important for us parents to not only talk to our children, to raise our children in the way of the Lord, but to not only tell them about Jesus, but to live it out in front of them. Not just talk about your faith, living your faith out in front of your children. But God made this extremely clear to Moses and these people in Numbers 14.30. He said, surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except for Caleb and Joshua, the son of Nun. And your children, though, however, whom you said would become prey, I will bring them into the promised land, and they will know the land which you have rejected. What the point that I bring up that numbers verse there is that God did not hold the children accountable for the parents' unbelief. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.